time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is the podcast that's designed to help you thrive, really no matter what life throws your way. And we do that by working on how you deal with what life throws you. But sometimes we have to think about what life has already thrown you, the, the stuff that's in the past. Because here's the thing, we often get hung up on what's in the past and we can't move forward. Uh, coming up in just a couple of months, my new book, The Forgive Process, comes out. And in that book, I uh, outline a six-step process for how to let go and forgive things that have happened in your past. That's really, for me, how we get ourselves unstuck. And by the way, that book, if you're interested, is already out in ebook format. Really, any of the ebook formats you might like, whether it's a Kindle or a Kobo or uh, Nook or any of the others, it's available for you wherever you like to buy uh, those ebooks. If you want to check it out, go to theforgiveprocess.com, theforgiveprocess.com. But today I want to kind of talk about why we would forgive. Because even before you decide to get into that process of forgiving, you've got to have a reason to do it. And a lot of times people challenge me on that and say, you know, you tell me I have to forgive. Well, what if I don't want to forgive? And my quick response is to tell them that it's not that they have to forgive, but that they get to forgive. Because we get to find a way of letting go of what's already come our way, of getting rid of all that debris in our past so it's not weighing us down. Here's the problem. Something happens to us in the past. If we don't attend to it, it keeps on affecting us. We don't just walk away from it. We find those places where you know, we continue to almost re-injure ourselves. A couple of years ago, uh, something changed in my life. For years, I could brush into poison ivy and have no reaction whatsoever. I didn't even think about it. When I was a kid, I didn't have an allergic reaction. Even into my adulthood, I didn't have an allergic reaction. And so I didn't worry much about protecting myself when I was out in the woods. Whether I was on a race or, or just kind of running through the woods, I never worried about looking for poison ivy. I remember learning about how to identify it as a Boy Scout and all that stuff, but since it didn't affect me, I never worried about it until one day when I brushed up against some poison ivy and it, it set up a rash right across my leg. Now, here's the thing about poison ivy. If you scratch it, it keeps activating itself. So when I first ran into the poison ivy, there was actually an injury to my skin. There was an irritant on my skin. And when it started itching and I would scratch it, I would kind of spread it around. And not only that, but after a while, what was causing the reaction was the histamine response as I was even scratching. Not so much even the poison from the poison ivy. It was actually my scratching that would do it. And so just about the time I would get over it, I would start scratching it again and the space would, would turn red and it would uh, well up and I would have all kinds uh, of issues with it just because I couldn't leave it alone. <laughs> it kept itching so badly I had to scratch it. Well, that's the same kind of thing that happens when there's something that happens to us and we, 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 we have a hard time leaving it alone. It starts itching. And when it starts itching, we start scratching. And when we start scratching, we re-injure ourselves. At that point, it has nothing to do with the poison ivy. It has nothing to do with what somebody else did. 
it continues to re-injure us because we can't leave it alone. And that's part of what happens with our mind. Our mind has that process of holding on to things. And that's what forgiving really is. It's about releasing those things. It's about deciding to let those things go. So when I'm talking to groups about forgiving, I often challenge them to think about the things that are the unforgivables of life, the things that just should not be forgiven. Now, I always start that with the process of talking about the fact that forgiving is for the forgiver primarily. It has nothing to do with reconciliation with whoever hurt you. It's a different process. Those are two separate processes. And so first we separate that out and discuss the fact that when we forgive, we forgive for ourselves. Then I go over to the chalkboard and start writing up the things that people call out on what should not be forgiven. And they come up with some pretty horrendous things that people might do. And then I point to the fact that if the forgiving is for the person who has been injured, have we not already established that none of those matter? Because we're somehow using the not forgiving as a way of holding somebody responsible, holding somebody hostage when in fact we're holding ourselves hostage, not them, ourselves. Anne Lamott says it very well. She said that not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and then waiting for the rat to die. Lots of other people have said kind of very similar things to that. But listen to that again. Not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and then waiting for the rat to die. That's the problem. When we decide not to forgive, when we decide to hold that in, it's the poison is in us, right? It's not about the other person anymore. In fact, many times over the years when I've worked with people who need to forgive something, the person who hurt them isn't even around anymore and sometimes not even alive anymore. And yet they hold on to those moments and tell me they will not forgive those things, even after we discuss the fact that forgiving them is to let go of those things for themselves. And they'll tell me again, they will not let that person off the hook. And the problem is the person in my office is the one on the hook. So we have to find a way of thinking about that differently. Not forgiving always keeps your body on the defensive. And that's kind of the problem. It puts us on the defensive, ready to protect ourselves. It keeps our body and our mind primed for the fight. That's what happens when you're holding that in. You've got something in there and you're just holding it in and holding it tight and it builds up energy and it builds up power and it keeps the body constantly on alert and it keeps the mind constantly on alert. On the defensive, ready to protect, which you and I know as the fight-flight response. You're just ready to take on something because you're holding on to that thing as a way of defending yourself. So what happens when you stay in that fight-flight mode. I mean, what's so bad about that, right? Well, first, it creates a level of chronic stress in your body. Our bodies aren't designed to be in a state of chronic stress, constant stress. Our bodies are designed to spike with stress. If you think back to our ancestors, they probably weren't mulling around a lot of other things because they were busy surviving. 
they also had probably had fewer survival uh, verbal skills when uh, our ancestors were around. And so something would happen. They probably weren't thinking about it over and over and over again. Instead, they were busy trying to survive. And when something came at them, trying to hurt them, they needed to, to immediately go into fight-flight mode in order to protect themselves. But once the threat was gone, the stress would go away. We, we noticed this in other animals in the animal kingdom now that when they are not in the middle of a survival moment, they're probably resting, taking it easy, taking a nap, enjoying the sunlight, not reflecting on what happened a little while ago. It's almost an immediate response that when they're stressed, they spike into fight or flight mode. And then when the stress is removed, they drop back into a much more relaxed state. But when we hold on to those things and when we're in that constant state of, uh, of threat and of risk that comes when we hold on to those hurt problems, instead we create a chronic stress on our body that's constantly pushing against our resources, constantly costing us energy, constantly creating things like high blood pressure. Things like uh, lack of sleep. You know, when you're holding on to those things, you have so much energy and your mind is twirling on them so much that sometimes we have a hard time getting the rest that our body needs. More than that, it can often set up a level of inflammation in your body that does uh, a lot of damage to your heart, uh, to your blood vessels, to your other organs, because there's always uh, something of an inflammation to the body. All of those simply because we're holding on to those pieces and putting our body in a constant a state of stress. So that's one of the things that happens when we don't forgive. We keep our body stuck and our mind stuck in fight-flight mode. Also, it places you on guard, which can be warranted sometimes, but it's always on guard in relationships. You think about how many t people uh, tell you that they are cautious about a relationship because of some old relationship where they got hurt. Because they haven't decided to let that go, it invades how they react and respond in new relationships that have nothing to do with that old relationship. Many times I would have people tell me that they really wanted to find someone in their life to love, some significant other in their life, but they've been hurt in the past and they just didn't want to allow that to happen which was telling me on some level that they had chosen not to forgive that person in the past. They weren't going to let that go and even assign it to that one person. So maybe sometimes being on your guard is warranted, but many times it's unwarranted. We're just dragging our old stuff, our old hurts from old relationships into new relationships that have had no room for that. Now, the problem is that when we're on guard, we often create the scenario where somebody else is going to respond to us in a way that we don't like because we are guarded, because we are coming across in a certain energy place for them that feels like they have to be on guard. And two people being on guard often goes in, in bad ways. The other thing that happens when we don't forgive is it keeps you from enjoying the present. That's the thing. It keeps you from even enjoying the good things of life. Because the not forgiving is about the past. Have you ever had somebody who keeps telling you that same story of hurt, the same story of betrayal that goes back to some situation that happened in the past? Well, they're telling you that they haven't found a way to forgive that yet. 
You might experience it yourself. And whenever that happens, we're dragging that old past into our present, which means that we can't enjoy the things that are going on that are good right now. We're always waiting for a problem and we're always reflecting back to that, that point. Many people begin to form their identity around what happened to them. That bad moment in time, they, they anchor themselves to that. That becomes their, their sense of identity. And because of that, they have a hard time moving fully into the present because they've locked down their identity to something in the past. Also, it puts you in uh, what I would refer to as revenge mode. This is this different than release mode. Revenge mode or release load. We can, mode, we can choose one or the other. But revenge mode means that you're kind of looking out on how to get your pound of flesh for what that person did. Now, notice how we even do that in day-to-day life. You know, you're driving down the highway, someone cuts you off. You can't believe they would do that, so what do you do? You cut them off. That's revenge mode, right? Somebody bumps into you, what do you do? You bump them back. That's revenge mode. Somebody says something harsh to you, you're thinking about the comeback to say to them, that's revenge mode. Now think about how that is not just for something small like that, but something that happened big in the past where you're just looking for uh, getting that person back or or getting that group back. If you expand it to a whole group of people that that person represented, how to get them back, how to get justice, as we might say, forgetting that justice is not part of the forgive process. We can't always be moving for justice because it keeps us wrapped up in those hurt times and those tough moments. And so part of what happens when we're in revenge mode, we can't step into release mode. Release mode is when we commit ourselves to letting go of the pain in the past so that we're not held prisoner to the pains of the past, that we free ourselves. It's kind of like when we're you know, in that cage and realize that as we're yanking on the cage saying, let me out, let me out. We're the ones that are holding the door shut. The door has been open all along. The cage is open all along for us to leave when we want to, when we decide to be in release mode. Forgiveness, you see, is shifting away from that fight or flight. That's what happens when we truly forgive. That's why I think it's so important for ourselves to get ourselves out of that stuck fight or flight mode. It allows us to move into life in a different way, a calmer way. Not only that, but when people forgive, they notice many times that they have a reduction of physical symptoms. Research shows that when people actually work on forgiving those pains in the past, their blood pressure goes down, their cholesterol goes down, their overall stress goes down, headaches go away, bowel problems go away. A lot of the the physical symptoms of stress begin to go away just because they've suddenly begun to release the energy that they've held in for so long. Not only that, but when we forgive, we now have a renewed potential for relationships. Now notice I said relationships. Not necessarily with the person that hurt you. You may decide in the process of forgiving that you need to make sure that that person has no way of ever hurting you again. But you may also decide that that person who hurt you maybe didn't mean to hurt you or didn't mean for it to feel the way it did, or maybe there's a possibility for a relationship after all. You can't decide that until you get, get to forgiveness, but you understand it's a different process. Reconciliation comes after forgiveness. 
You may forgive somebody and decide to reconcile, but you may also forgive them and keep them away from you. In fact, you may never even tell them you've forgiven them. You may never even tell them that you've let go of that. They don't need to know for it to matter to you. It's up to you to decide how to do that. Now, I will tell you that one mistake people often make in the middle of forgiving something is to announce it to the person who had no idea what was going on. People like walking up to a stranger and saying, oh, by the way, I forgive you for what you did last week. And their confusion might be started with, I didn't know I'd done anything or I didn't ask for forgiveness. Don't put the power to them. Hold on to it for yourself that you can choose to forgive. And then you get to decide whether that's a part of the relationship or not. Forgiving, though, allows you to step into relationships in renewed ways without being so on guard without being so uh, careful about what happens. You can have very clear boundaries with people, and you may even learn something in the forgive process about the boundaries you need to create. But it allows you to enter back into a relational space in a different way, a less guarded way, whether it's with that person who hurt you or just with people in general. Either way, you find a better way of stepping into it. The last piece that you get from forgiving is a greater sense of empathy and acceptance. Ironically, when we're not forgiving, we often lower our level of empathy. We lose our capacity of thinking about somebody else's feelings because we become focused on our own hurts and our own pains. But when we step into forgiveness, we learn some things along the way. And one of them we learn is that we all make mistakes And that there are lessons to be learned in any circumstance that we can learn from that. And that increases both our empathy and our acceptance and understanding of other people. All of that simply in the process of forgiving. If you're thinking through some things that you know that you're hanging on to, that you know keep you from moving forward, this is a great time to commit to that process. It's a great time to say, you know what? I think it's time for me to find a different way forward. I think this has held on to me long enough. I think I want to forgive because step number one in the forgive process is deciding to forgive. That's not a simple step. It's a serious step. To decide to forgive begins the process. If you need more help on the process of how to actually do it step by step, please check out that book, The Forgive Process. You can learn more about that by going to theforgiveprocess.com, theforgiveprocess.com, or check out wherever you like to buy your eBooks right now and in October where you like to buy your regular books. Check out The Forgive Process. I wish you the best as you continue to work to build your thriving life. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Uh-huh.